if you're not happy and your life's not working, is it really in your interest to be a total victim and reject all responsibility for the fact that you're unhappy and blame other people? And isn't it obvious that some con man, some joker is going to come along and sell you on, yeah, you're right. It's not your fault. It's these other politicians. It's these people of color. It's these immigrants. It's these whomever. Beyond politics and above religion, a moral authority exists known globally as the ageless wisdom. It's the study of consciousness, the mystery of awareness, which cannot be measured, yet will not be denied. This podcast from Michael Benner's Wisdom of the Soul class features weekly lessons in metaphysics, mysticism, and esoteric philosophy. Those who attend live and free of charge on Zoom may also participate in group meditation and Q&A. Register for our newsletter at michaelbenner.com. Welcome to the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School with Michael Benner. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of The Wisdom of the Soul, brought to you by the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. Anytime you can join us live, Sunday mornings, 11 a.m. Pacific time, we really appreciate that. We create a group energy, do a group meditation, and the more the merrier. If you're unable to join us live on Sunday, check out our YouTube channel. Simply search YouTube for Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. Please subscribe. It helps us. We're going for that magic number of 500 right now, at which point YouTube will begin to promote us and suggest us to people who are watching similar content. And we're podcasts to all players and apps and directories. Wherever you get your podcasts, again, simply search Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. My main website is michaelbenner.com. You can schedule a free private session, one-on-one, and, uh, you know, find out whether I think I might be able to help you with uh, your issues and uh, make a decision about whether what I offer is what you're looking for. Uh, In many ways, I describe what I do privately as uh, a middle alternative and educational alternative to psychotherapy. And when they say middle, it's sort of between life coaching and psychotherapy. So it's not therapeutic, it's educational. You're provided with practical tools and techniques, but it's way more inclusive than life coaching, but less intrusive than psychotherapy. And sometimes we do counseling around a particular issue or two. And sometimes we just do the fly training, feeling like yourself, F-L-Y, the fly training. Learn about all that at michaelbenner.com. Poke around there. I also want to mention this idea of uh, a studio group of, last week I said six to eight people. I think 10 people I've settled on. I don't want it to be bigger than 10 people. It would be weekly. It would be ongoing. There would be a small fee charged. But it would be conversational in nature. 
It would not be a class where I teach. It would be more of a salon, or I'm calling it a studio, where we talk about our lives. We talk about issues. Again, a kind of a uh, metaphysical, transpersonal, practical alternative to group therapy. It's not therapy to employ these basic rules of uh, personal growth. It's more educational in nature, and we will share from our experience. I will facilitate the conversation, uh, lead the conversation in some sense, but no, it's going to be very different than this class, which we will continue absolutely free Sundays at 11. So uh, that brings us up to speed. Again, I really appreciate you being here. Let's uh, let's do our opening meditation, and we'll begin our discussion today about vengeance and retribution and holding grudges and why that is not righteous, why it does not provide closure or justice or peace of mind, and what we can do instead when we're grieved when someone does us wrong, especially if there's potential for it to continue happening. So the injustice of vengeance is our topic for the day today. To do a meditation, let's simply get comfortable in your chair or whatever furniture you're sitting on, your bed, cross-legged on your cushion. Close your eyes and begin to relax. up for the waking state. And three, open your eyes wide awake. <laughs> Back in the room, wide awake, eyes open, feeling better than before, rested, relaxed, and at peace. Okay, gang, let's talk about today's topic. I think what this came out of, my idea to do this little presentation on Vengeance and retribution, payback. You're going to pay for this. I'm going to get you. I think what it came out of is me just watching the world this past week in this, this crazy uh, war in Ukraine and Russia and how this uh, private army headed by a fellow who's known Putin 30 years and uh, is an oligarch. He got upset with these corrupt military generals. He's got his own private army, mostly felons, mercenaries, pirates, privateers, soldiers of fortune that he built with Putin's help by uh, opening the prison doors and getting the worst felons out of jail on the condition that it's like the Dirty Dozen. Remember that movie? <laughs> they said, we'll let you out of prison if you uh, come and fight the suicide mission. And if you survive, you're free. And it's likely you'll die, but you'll have a great adventure, and it's better than being in prison. What do you say? We need 12 of you. That's sort of where this private army of uh, mercenaries came from. So he turns on Putin, and he says... 
you know, it's all nonsense that NATO's coming to get you and your invasion of Ukraine is a defensive action and that Ukraine is run by Nazis. You guys are just plundering. It's a scam, which you could say about all war, though there may be some notable exceptions. Well, clearly there are. But this is a war of plunder, right? Well, people are getting killed. That's my point. And who dies in war? Soldiers? Yeah, a few. Generals? Every once in a while. But by and large, who gets killed in war is non-combatants. You're never told this, but I'll tell you as a journalist, it's true. It's women. It's children. It's grandma and grandpa. It's the innocent. That's who gets slaughtered in war. Not to mention the pain and the suffering of the survivors, so to speak. So anyway, I'm thinking about the world as a world of retribution, a world of vengeance. A world where people justify their anger and hostility. And talk about things like justice or closure. <laughs> the satisfaction of revenge and retribution. Hell, Donald Trump is running his uh, campaign for president, his get-out-of-jail-free plan, on the slogan, I am your retribution. We've never had a political candidate that was quite so bold as to say, the reason to vote for me is I will target as the enemy your fellow countrymen who you don't like. I will be the president of only those who support me against those who do not. And we will unify by dividing. <laughs> that kind of jabberwocky, that peace through strength idiocy. Right. And people buy into that. They call themselves patriots. Those January 6th jokers, they're carrying Nazi flags, Confederate flags, and American flags. And beating policemen with American flags on poles and think of themselves as patriots. As if they're the uh, 1776 uh, revolutionaries, you know, fighting against monarchy. So whether we talk about it socially, politically, or personally, I thought I'd spend a few minutes suggesting that there may be some temporary satisfaction or the appearance of satisfaction in holding a grudge, in vengeance, revenge, uh, retribution, but that that bloodlust is part of an animal nature that will never lead you to any sense of peace, much less justice. There is no justice. Hence the title today, The Injustice of Vengeance. There is sociological and psychological research that essentially proves, reveals, demonstrates that not only do people not get a sense of closure, or satisfaction 
from their righteous indignation at seeking retribution, even if they get it, but that in fact it exacerbates and compounds their pain and suffering. Not only does vengeance not work, it makes things worse. It's exactly the worst thing to do. And in the newsletter, I mention even, you know, men will deny beating their wives. There's a lot of people that will not deny beating their children. Well, it's wrong to beat your wife, but not your kids. The little, small, weak, defenseless. Spare the rod, spoil the child. That's barbaric. It's medieval. And there's stacks and stacks and stacks of literature that show that. And all you're doing is raising individuals who then act that out later in life. Then they turn around and become the child abuser. Because it's imprinted upon them. They live, they've, they live in that kind of a world and may even justify it. You ever heard somebody said, well, of course I spanked my kids. I was spanked when I was a child and didn't hurt me. Well, yeah, it did hurt you. It damaged you seriously because, look, you're beating your children. What kind of crazy logic is that? Isn't that vengeance? Isn't that revenge? If you spank your children, doesn't that prove that you don't know any other way to train, to teach, to to model, to to rehabilitate? Or if a friend or a family member, or a lover, uh, betrays you, abandons you, turns on you, isn't it enough just to say, well, you know, if we can't work this out and resolve it, maybe that's a relationship I'll just release and let go. No, we got to... <laughs> I'm using a broad brush here. I'm not saying everybody. But there is a tendency in us that you can listen to or ignore, but it's pretty it's pretty demanding that says there's got to be some justice here. There's got to be some vengeance, some some payback, some retribution. They've got to pay. I've got to set them straight. Here's a good one. I can't let them get away with it. Hmm? How about that? Have you ever heard that? Have you ever said that yourself? Well, I'm not going to let them get away with that. I feel that. I have a caged animal in me. Every one of us does. We're in animal bodies. That rises up and wants vengeance a form of justice, to hurt them the way we've been hurt. But the problem is, we then are taking absolutely no responsibility for the hurt. We're playing victim. When Donald Trump says, I am your retribution, he's talking to disgruntled, aggrieved Americans or unhappy, I won't even argue whether they have a right to be unhappy or not. There's a lot of injustice in the way this country is administered, in the economics, the economic disparity, 
the oppressive nature of poverty and racism and sexism and, and the homophobia and on and on and on and on. I won't even argue or deny that stuff. But if you're not happy and your life's not working, is it really in your interest to be a total victim and reject all responsibility for the fact that you're unhappy and blame other people? And isn't it obvious that some con man, some joker is going to come along and sell you on, yeah, you're right. It's not your fault. It's these other politicians. It's these people of color. It's these immigrants. It's these whomever. The billionaire part doesn't come up. It's these billionaires. and We don't hear that. So we are victims to some degree of a life done to us. But the degree to which we're a victim of a life done to us is, what's the word I'm looking for? It shrinks, it's diminished, it's a drop compared to the tsunami of responsibility we have for creating it. Hmm. <laughs> I remember when I was doing talk shows in the 80s on KLOS. I didn't get this much on KPFK or the other stations I worked on. But when I was at KLOS and KABC, there was a lot of... This is the Reagan era, right? So it was similar to the Trump era, except not as extreme, not as outrageous. And I was getting calls from people who were saying... You know, I can't get a I can't get a job. I can't get work. Our jobs are being taken by these uh, immigrants. And I said, "Has it ever occurred to you?" I mean, I would say this in different ways, but it kept coming up, so I had to find new ways of explaining it. Has it ever occurred to you that if you're competing with unskilled labor? that maybe you could get a skill or a trade or a career. Maybe you could apprentice with someone. Maybe you could go to trade school. Maybe you could go to college. Hell, maybe you could make a decision about what you love to do and then go do it. I had a client just this week. How old are you? 32 years old. What do you do for a living? Turned out it was a bunch of odd jobs. What do you love to do? Didn't really know. Do you have any sense of career? Well, no. I, I, I don't know how to do that. He had a degree, too. He had a bachelor's degree, but he couldn't see any way that what he majoring in, 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 in college would translate to a real-world job. I hadn't figured that out. So I'm not blaming anybody for anything. I'm just saying it's in our interest to stop blaming others and take responsibility for the fact that you're not happy. That playing victim, blaming others, and then seeking retribution falling in line behind a con man who's going to exploit that helplessness, saying, I'll get him for you. 
that, that's the heart and soul of where our politics is right now. I am your retribution. It's gone from the bad guys being the foreigners sneaking over the border to the bad guys are other Americans, often members of your own family, who just don't share your sense of being aggrieved. Your victimization, your helplessness. And so they promote that bloodlust. We'll get them. We'll make them pay. They call it owning the libs. What does that mean? What does that mean? To own the libs. I saw a survey on some TV news program. It was like a focus group more than a survey. It wasn't a poll. It was a focus group. And this person was asking for a show of hands. And how many of you would, would vote for Trump if he gets indicted? Well, he's already been indicted. How many of you would still vote for Trump if he went to jail? Bunch of hands go up. How many of you would support Trump more if he went to jail? Bunch of hands went up. It's like the worse he does, the more they love him. The, the, the more of a criminal, the more they love him. I am your retribution. Yeah, and you know, it can be exciting. I, I really like um, Quentin Tarantino movies. I need to be in the right mood, but my God, they're, they're <laughs> maybe I should be embarrassed to admit it, but there's a part of me that relishes his preoccupation, his obsession with revenge. That's the secret of Tarantino's films. They're all about revenge and vengeance and retribution. Django, especially. My God, Django is just like... And you say, well, that's righteous indignation. He has a... Well, come on. <laughs> He's just killing everybody. But there's a part of us that really loves that. There's a, a part of us that gets really excited and buys into the idea that there is some... Uh, <laughs> some sense of justice in this. I'm just going to argue that that's not our job. Not only the Christian Bible, but all religious doctrines suggest it's better not to judge. You're not the judge. You're not the jury. Even if it's personal. Judge yourself. Work on yourself. The secret to letting go little by little of the bloodlust that leads to revenge and holding on to grudges and retribution, and I'm not going to let him get away with that, make a fool out of me, is to work on yourself. To practice forgiveness and mercy requires compassion. And compassion is... Just let it go. Plus, there's really more to it than forgiveness, which is just letting go, putting it down. It's compassion for their suffering. If somebody's trying to hurt you and they succeed, you can dwell on that hurt. Most of us will. And then want to hurt them 
to even the tables. But what if you put your attention on, why did they try to hurt me in the first place? And instead of me falling into the trap of payback in kind, what if I just put my attention on the suffering that they must feel to have to try to hurt me in the first place? And then recognize that tendency in yourself, which you might release it and redeem yourself. See, bring it home to what you can control, which is yourself. Forgiveness is a gift to yourself. Doesn't feel like it right off the bat. You know, I'm going to let them get away with it because it's a gift to myself. What does that mean? Buddha supposedly said a couple of things along these lines. Anger and vengeance, he said, was like drinking poison and expecting the other to die. You see? Or a man is shot in the heart with an arrow and immediately gets angry at the person who shot him, forgetting that he's still got an arrow sticking out of his body. And my wife brought me a phrase once from, uh, Doreen found this phrase, and it was either Sir Walter Raleigh or Francis Bacon, about the dog that bites the rock that hit it. The dog blames the rock. <laughs> it's our pain, and we're projecting it on other people. Can't You can't heal what you don't take responsibility for. Physician, heal thyself. Justice, righteousness, is about not blaming yourself, but taking responsibility for that which you did not cause. We are responsible for situations and circumstances we did not cause. Responsible, response, able, able to choose a response to make a contribution to improve the world rather than act in kind, double down, commit the same grievance, but attempt to justify it because, well, they hurt me, so I'm going to hurt them. And cancel, cancel, now we're even. You know, that... That's like a five-year-old. That's where, that's how an eight-year-old thinks or a 12-year-old. You're supposed to grow past that. And that's pretty much all I have to say about it. Again, um, you can look at it on a social plane. I'd like us to take a look at this in our personal lives. When people hurt us, it could be just somebody at work, or it could be somebody really close to you your partner, a good friend, some family member. Instead of going after them, holding a grudge, making them pay, demanding an apology, that's another one. You know, how, how about you apologize? Well, I'll forgive them if they forgive me first. Or, more to the point, if they apologize, then I'll apologize, but I will not be the first to apologize because they did it. 
they started it. But if we ask them, what do you think they're going to say? No, I didn't start it. They started it. Man's inhumanity to man. Because we just don't see the extent to which we project our pain and suffering on other people and hold them responsible. Because it's just too terrifying to take responsibility for your life. And the pickle that I'm in, the mess that I'm in, is one that I've made. Especially like those people who say, um, look at all these bad things that happened to me. Why would God do this to me? Or why would God allow this to happen? Maybe God has nothing to do with it. No. Maybe there's something here for us to learn about ourselves. Fix ourselves, redeem ourselves. This is really hard to present to people in private sessions to make it about you. I, I can't tell you how many people, they get this deer in the headlights look. Their jaw drops when they say, this feeling wasn't done to you. It's not your husband or your wife that are doing this to you. They may be poking the bear. They may be stimulating the hurt. But the feeling you're complaining about is your response to it. Own it. That's yours. And it's like, what? Instead of blaming the person that hurt me, you want me to blame myself? No, I want you to take ownership and responsibility. Even if the stimulus was external. Stuff happens. People say nasty stuff. And they do hurtful things. But you don't have to go after them. Use it to work on yourself. Let them be your teacher. But learn about yourself.